0: What is going on and welcome to the Power of Progression Podcast. I'm your host, John Marone. Thank you very much for joining us on today's episode. And please do not forget to like, subscribe, follow the podcast, write a review, and then share it out to anybody who could take the value from today's episode and put it into their life. But now it is time to help you design the life you've always wanted to live, creating the ultimate version of yourself and jump into the episode. So let's get it poppin'. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to The Power of Progression. I have a friend here, Lisa Bilyeu. She is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, which is a digital media production company that's focusing on empowering content that her husband, Tom Bilyeu, hosts, which, by the way, is probably my number one podcast. If anybody asks, I always tell them, listen to mine, and that one. In addition, she and her husband started shipping protein bars from their living room to increasing their business with a 57,000% growth to create a billion-dollar brand that most of you know as Quest Nutrition. From housewife to entrepreneur and transforming her business focus from nutrition to entertainment media. She is now jumping in front of the camera where she hosts the Women of Impact, which focuses on women empowerment, and she is here to help empower you, men, and women to go ahead and be better today than you were yesterday. Lisa, what is going on, girl?
1: What's going on, John? Lovely to see you, sweetie. Yes, yes.
0: First off, the hair, the style. When I first (laughs) met you um, over in Vegas... I was like, man, your style is on point. So I want to applaud you for right. being one of the most stylish women entrepreneurs um, I've ever seen. So I applaud you for that.
1: I'm going to take that little clip and just put it on repeat. Thank Do you it. That. Do so it. Do it. You, you should
0: wake up to it too. But there are royalties to it. So yeah. let's dive right into this. Yo, I, I know a lot about your story I know a lot about Quest Nutrition, which by the way, I'm always rocking Oh, it. boom, with the
1: birthday cake bar. I
0: have, I have my daughter eats them. My daughter loves them as well. So- <laughs> um, so let's, let's kind of dive right in and tell people a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how
1: you grew up. And um, how far back do you want me to go? You know, let's, let, let's
0: get to the roots, because I know that there's a, uh, you know, when you're a kid, there's a different way that you lived, and the uh, perspective, should I say, was a lot different the way you grew up than what you know today. So tell everybody about that.
1: Ooh. All right. So, um, welcome everybody. Uh, I started. Um, so, I grew up as Greek Orthodox in a very traditional Greek family. My father always used to say, like, when you get married, things will be okay. Like, it was, it was just a matter of fact in my family that as a woman, you were going to maybe go to college because by the time I got to um, to. 18 my father was like okay go to college so you've got a background but ultimately the truth was he never expected me to use my degree and how I know that is because I wanted to study film and he didn't want me to study film because he didn't think that was actually a good profession or a um oh god what's the word like a an actual profession he was like people don't make movies like your heads are in the clouds. like what are you doing become a journal become a journalist if you want to be in that arena um or go into law or be a doctor like those were the things and so when I really wanted to study film he kept pushing back he kept pushing back and eventually he just gave up and he's like you know what okay fine um go to film school because you're going to be a housewife in a way Now he didn't mean it to be mean or rude because as I repeat it, like it does come out a little cruel, (laughs) but I know that he didn't mean it like that. It's just his perspective as I was growing up was that women, that was almost their, their job. That was why they were born, to procreate, to like get, um, give birth to children, to nurture their husbands. And so he just had that perspective. So growing up, even though I really wanted to be a filmmaker and I wanted to be in film and I was so excited, I wanted to be the first um, woman to win an Academy Award for directing. That was my goal. Awesome. Um, over time, life just happens to you, right? It's like as a kid, you have these big dreams. You don't think about how you're actually going to do them. And I met this man called Tom and I fell in love with him and he was American. I'd always wanted to live in America in a way. So I was like, oh my God, this is like, my dreams are coming true. I'm going to marry an American. I'm going to live in America. I'm going to make movies. Um, And what happened was going back to life just happened. And so he wanted to start his entrepreneurial journey because we had agreed that we need finances to make our own films because we wanted to control the assets. So he's like, okay, babe. So I'll go out and I'll build a business. I'll create something. We'll make a lot of money. And then in a year I'll come back and we'll build the company we want to build or we'll build, you know, we'll make movies. And so being naive enough to go, well, how hard is it to make money? Sure. I'll stay at home and support you for this one year. Because if you look at Steve Jobs, and you look at all the people that are the most successful and you look at how they live their lives. Every single day, they pay super close attention to the decisions they make. So Steve Jobs used to only wear one color T-shirt so that he wouldn't have to make that decision. And that's one less decision he has to make in his, in his daily life. So we got that minute on how do we actually become successful? So it's like, okay, Tom. You need to focus on building a business, making money. I'll do everything on the back end. I'll put your clothes out for you. I'll make you lunch. I'll make you dinner. Like, I'll do everything. And I found, okay, now we're in a team. It's a partnership. We're doing this together. This is our strategy. But a year goes by. You're not quite there yet. Well, let me just do it a bit longer. Another year goes by. Another year goes by. Before I knew it, I spent eight years as a housewife. And there's nothing bad about that if that's really what you want in life and i didn't realize i'd become trapped i didn't realize i trapped myself Mm. until one day tom came home and they had um, him and his business partners done very well in a tech company and but they were miserable so it's like okay well what are we going to do that we actually enjoy and they came up with the idea of doing a protein bar and initially he came home just saying babe, as my wife, will you help support me? Just do you mind just shipping some bars out of your living room floor? So wow. over this whole time, my mindset had changed into I'm the supportive wife when the husband comes home and I found, I found pride in it. And I think I deliberately did that so that every day I wouldn't feel badly about myself. Like in hindsight, that's like, I think a very accurate reflection of what I was doing. So I was like, of course, like I'm here to support you and I'll ship bars from the living room floor. Um, now, what I didn't realize is that our company would grow at 57,000% and I would go from shipping and literally walk into the post office and handing over you know, three orders to, I blink, two years later, I'm running 20,000 square feet of space. I have 40 employees underneath me and we're shipping out millions and millions of dollars worth of um, products. And so that's kind of my accidental journey from going from someone that was super clear, motivated as a child to losing her way to then remembering her dream to then stumbling upon a situation that I then made the most of. Um, and then I changed my perspective about who I was and how I saw myself that I was no longer a support system, that I was actually a lead, and that I was very vital in the business growth. And so all of that came with a lot of analysis of myself and what i was doing and how i felt
0: and who i was and, and that's incredible and, and to, to sit there for eight years um and not really know what you want but you felt like you needed to have pride in something so you took pride in it i think a lot of people deal with that let me ask you this and i want to get into a little bit of business but sitting there for eight years i think there's people listening right now and, and my, my wife you know she's a stay-at-home mom and when people say what's her job i said it's way harder than mine she's a mother to a two-year-old, crazy, most beautiful, you know, intelligent kid I know. So, and, and to me, that is the hardest job. So, whether they're a housewife or or they're a stay-at-home mom, I see a lot of issues where people, when the kid now goes to school, right? Maybe they're five, six. They go to school. They have been there for five years, and they all they knew was be a mom. All they knew was be a mom you know, and, and, and take care of the house. Now the kid leaves, now they're lost and there's this depression that comes with it. There's this loss of identity that comes with it. Anybody listening right now that may be there, maybe guys listening or even women listening. If you have a stay-at-home, you know, uh, a wife or a stay-at-home dad, they may be feeling this right now or they're gonna feel this. Lisa, what can you tell them to do to say, you can expand your identity even if you are staying at home being a mom or stay-at-home dad or just a housewife or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I want them to find this this um, trigger now and, and change their identity now before it's five, six years later um, and they've put themselves really far behind and that depression kicks in and then we have a whole nother problem
1: on our hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way, the moment that comes to mind for me that really was like it, stung me and took me so out of my mindset that I was like, wow, that was, it was such an enlightenment. So I was going through immigration. I'd gone to England I was traveling back with my sister to LA. And as I was going through immigration you have to fill out those forms of like where you live and how long you're going to be here and are you, you know, a citizen, green card, all of that stuff. And then there's a section that says occupation. And we're standing in front of the immigration officer, because they I'm not quite sure why, but anyway, I was filling it out in front of him. And it said, occupation. And I turned to my sister, and I was like, I don't know what to put. And she goes, oh, housewife. And in that, I'd never identified myself as being a housewife. I'd never labeled myself that, because I think labels can be dangerous. I think it can hold you somewhere. But I'd Mm. never thought about it until that question happened, where I was like, well, what well, what are you okay you don't want to box yourself in but what do you consider yourself as what is your identity and when she said housewife it stung so much and i pushed back and i was like actually i'm the um president of bill enterprises and that is a title tom and i created it was literally i was a supporting housewife and again it's not a bad thing if that's what you choose but I didn't like the title. It didn't make me feel good because that wasn't what I wanted. And so when it stung, and I was like, well, no, I'm the president of your enterprise. I'm like, least you're kidding yourself. You're giving yourself something that is trying to trick your brain to be okay with this situation. Either you're okay with this situation or you're not stop trying to wrap a title around it to make you either feel good or better about it. Right. It's like, even in the company, it's that like people focus so much on what their title is versus are they actually fulfilling that passion, that desire that they have inside them and people get so hung up on the title because it's going to make them feel a certain way. Mm. And I am no longer looking for the title to make myself feel a certain way. I am saying, what am I doing every day to fulfill what is inside me? And so that was like a massive wake up call for me. And even with the company with, you know, Impact Theory, Tom and I, it was like, okay, well, what do we title ourselves? And neither of us really care because it's like, we're building a company we're so freaking passionate about and we love so much. It's like a call me whatever. And so we had to put titles to us just for like the company's, you know, structure but internally, like honest to God, it really doesn't matter because I know that I'm fulfilling myself every day. So anyone listening right now, it's like, look up your life. Don't put even a title over it because we get caught up with the identity. I, my identity is I'm a mother. My identity is I'm the stay at home supporting wife. And because now I've locked to that identity, I almost can't break free of it because now I go, oh, but what does that mean of who I am?
0: Mm, that is so so powerful when you think about that. We talked about labels and kind of offline we talked about it. Even business owners out there, you know, when, when you label yourself something, you know, it's it, you kind of get yourself boxed in.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you shouldn't, we should be thinking about our identity and what fulfills us. Um, and sometimes we got to go through these quote-unquote labels to see what fulfills us, right? And, and um, you know, it's all a journey. And, and speaking of journeys, you said the two years you went from shipping out protein bars in your living room to 20,000 square feet, 14 employees in that massive group. 40,
1: four, zero. 40.
0: okay. Yeah. So that's even crazier. Like <laughs> I, I know you guys were, were a multi-billion dollar company, but in two years,
1: I wish we were a multi-billion dollar company. We said you're only one million. Mil- uh, uh, oh,
0: sorry. Only one billion. So
1: <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the like, the No, I'm just going to path. put you up
0: on a higher pedestal. That's okay. all I'm trying to do.
1: I'm always trying to up one myself, so I so appreciate it. Until Impact Theory becomes a multi-billion dollar company, I won't stop. Sorry.
0: Yes. It, it, how did you guys, like the one big thing, let's talk about that. Yeah. The one big thing, if you could narrow it down, that, that really helped you with that two-year growth to explode like that. I got a lot of business owners listening, um, and they're in this transition period. They're in this you know rough part maybe of their business, or they feel like – you know, there's so much more they can get and there's so many more people they can impact and more income they can create and more jobs. What do you think the one thing was, or one to two things that really took your business and exponentially grew it to that next level?
1: Um, so that's actually, there's so much to the, the company itself, right? It was the right time. Facebook was just like, no one was using Facebook to really use it as a marketing tool. And Tom being the marketing genius he is, was like, he's he's a storyteller, right? So he's like, you need to allow people to tell their stories about what this product means to them. And so we, our marketing from day one wasn't about our product. Our marketing was about you making the transformation with our product. So we were celebrating the people, not ourselves. And we were doing that on Facebook where everyone's like, Oh my God, have you heard of this thing? You know, people are taking photos of it with the bar And this is back before any of this happened, this is 2010. So, you know, someone's taken a photo of it with the protein bar and maybe they're the super, um, you know, jacked up guy that goes to the gym every day. And so he holds a photo of him with a bar. His friends who may not be gym fanatics, see him with the bar and like, oh my God, that's how he gets his abs. So they go out and buy it. And so before you know it, it became just like this wildfire that we couldn't control. And it just, people were talking about it. So the social media aspect of it was very just timely. Now, if you're trying to launch a product and you do it on Facebook, good luck getting noticed. But we were very much one of the first. Um, We blended um, branding with influencers. So we had Cassie Ho, who was just a massive influencer. She was hosting one of our shows that we had created. No company was doing that back then. No product was creating entertainment shows with influencers on social versus influencers, you know, the the fame so we realized hey like okay you may want to go after Leonardo DiCaprio to hold your product but here's somebody who has four million people listening to them and you know they live down the road and you can you know make a deal with them so a lot of that was very strategic also our product people just said that we couldn't be made and we were naive enough to think yes it could so we had no plans to actually manufacture our product ever we did everything by hand, we tested it, we rented rented a kitchen by the hour and rolling pins and knives, and we we, you know, make the bars, we would send them out for free. We had a little budget, and we're like, okay, for three months, we're just gonna send it out for free. So we would just send it to all the influencers in the fitness space for free, and in the box, we wrote a letter. And that letter said, if you love this product, please talk about us. If you hate this product, please talk about us. We want your honesty. And no company has done that either at the time. So yeah. we were just trying all these really transparent things where we're like, look, we just want the honest truth. You actually like it. Cause if you don't like it, then we should adjust the, um, the, the macros or the taste or something like that. We just want to get to the right answer. We don't just want to be right. And so for any entrepreneur out there right now is that's the biggest thing is get to the right answer, not to trying to get yourself to be right. So that was a big thing as well that we had to overcome where um, we are just like, we just want to make the best product. And when people told us it couldn't be done, that's another thing is like, if you don't believe it can be done, then it's never going to be done. So we were, okay, we believe it can be done. People just haven't figured it out yet. We'll just figure it out. Again, the naivety of the beginner, for sure. But we got this machine in and we all spent like every penny we had, our house was on the line. Tom's business partners put in their money. And so we bought a piece of machinery that was a hundred thousand dollars and it turned up in pieces with a manual.
0: Good luck. (laughs) And,
1: And it's not like any of us are like specifically great at this type of thing. But Tom's business partner does come from um, Ohio. So he was used to working on the farm. So we're like, all right, screw it. Do we just take a, you know, a sledgehammer and a saw to it and try and like readjust this machine to fix our bar or to make our bars. And every time we had a problem, all the bars are sticking to the roller. We just like, there has to be a way. There has to be a way. There has to be a way. So I know that was a really kind of all over the place answer. But that's really the key message is if you believe that there's a way, you will find it. Even if you hit 10 roadblocks, 12 roadblocks, 13 roadblocks. You know, I think it was Edison where someone said to him, you know, how did you get through the 10,000 mistakes? And he said, it's not mistakes. There were 10,000 lessons. And that is like the biggest thing that I have had to stay strong over because my personality and natural inclination is to take a dagger to the heart when something goes wrong. And that's just who I am. I'm not, I'm not naturally a positive person. So when something goes wrong, it's like ah, oh, like how are we ever gonna get out of this? But I just force myself to remind myself of that Edison quote that is like, if, if, what if Edison has stopped at 9,999 efforts? It's
0: incredible to think about, right? You think about so many other things like that. And guys, listen to what she just said. And I kinda, I, I kinda use the same exact analogy. I talk about failure and mistakes. All it is is a process of elimination, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and sometimes we just need a shit ton of them in order to find out what we love and what's really going to fulfill us and what's going to impact the most amount of people. You had said in there a few times about belief, yeah. you know, in, in in the world we live in. And this kind of goes back to even your, your your, you know, childhood where you had one belief and your father, you know, not being any kind of a negative father or be honest to him, but he was just, he had his own belief. So he's feeding this belief to you while you're trying to hold on to your belief that you're going to be, you know, a director and get an Emmy. Right now, people out there, they're having issues with their belief. You know, I got clients that are just like, how do I increase the belief in myself when I keep failing? When, when, when this person tells me don't do that, when it's a, you know, complete brand new business and there's so much competition because let's be real, we are judging ourselves by the things that are around us versus, you know, how we truly feel and what we could do. So if we see somebody else being successful, sometimes that takes our belief away from us mm-hmm. when really it should increase it, you know, and, and when I tell everybody about, I want you to be jealous of that person's successful, but I want that jealousy to cause motivation. Why? You know, when, when I used to be jealous, I used to, it used to cause me to be bitter. It um, used to cause me to you know, really be negative. Um, but as people right now thinking like, man, I want to start this business. You know, I, I want to make more money. I want to do this. I want to build that beautiful home. I just don't have belief. What would you say are some big components on how to um, really enlighten the the emotion of belief and carry it with you on a day to and day-out basis?
1: Yeah, um, I really do um lean into the power of belief a lot and it's because it's something that really did change my life so my belief system when i when we started quest was i was going to be just helping my husband out i can go to the Post office and buy some stamps. Like that's not difficult. So I'll throw some stamps on, and that will be that. But then, as we started growing, people just kept turning to me. It's like, well, Lisa, you know how to do it. So, do you mind just like find, getting an office and shipping from the office? It's like, do you just mind like? Well, you're gonna have to print them now because we've got too many. I can't handwrite them all. So, if you can do, so it got to the point where there were so many things I was starting that I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't. I've never run shipping. My background is film. I went to you know my my um, degree is in filmmaking. So. When it's like I have to now deal with freight and forklift drivers and forklift certifications and imports and exports. And what happens when you're sending a shipment to Saudi Arabia that don't sometimes accept some of the ingredients in your bars? Like all of the, I have no clue what I'm doing. I have to build racks. I have to figure out, you know, the weight of a pallet and how much a rack can take. So on a day to day basis, I was faced with things that were showing me how inadequate I was at this job. So I've got two choices. I can say, okay, you're completely inadequate. You're way over your head. Run away fast because you don't know what you're doing. But then I go, what's my goal? Does that serve my goal or does that step me away from my goal? Because ultimately everything comes, I always come back to my goal. So if my goal is to build quests, to really create impact, when I hit that roadblock, when I don't have belief in myself at least you don't know what you're doing. I go to, does this belief serve my goal? Yes or no. And it's easy to see that when you don't believe in yourself or your capability, you're going to back off. It's not going to serve that goal that you're striving for. So I go, okay, my belief system isn't, that I know this, right. You can't just believe like, all right, all of a sudden I know, you know, um, nuclear biology, I don't freaking know anything but I believe that I can learn. And that's where it took the dent of the ego, the jealousy, the enviousness of like, I can't do it. So they must be super, they must be super, have a superpower because I can't do it. And so they have, must have something special. Instead of giving my power away to that person, I just look at myself and I say, can you, like if you may not be able to do it yet, that's fine. But can you learn, can I learn how to, work a forklift? Can I learn how to do shipments? Yes. It may take me a month. It may take me three years, but I have to believe I can learn in order for me to take that next step.
0: That is incredible insight. Guys, just that small distinction. Like, Do you believe that you could learn it? And with our resources out there, shit, you could learn to do, like, anything with YouTube, right? <laughs> like, yeah, this you was really
1: before YouTube. Can... I couldn't just, like, Google, like, how do you work forklifts?
0: Yeah. You now, work <laughs> <with them? laughs> now, now, you probably had to go, like, the Home Depot and just kind of sneak in the back and watch oh, how they're yeah. working it, right? And yeah. that's, that is a great distinction. I, and I think it's a very easy way to get back on track of can I learn this? Do so I believe I can learn this? Mm-hmm. Um, and having belief in your goal is, is obviously a huge, huge component. Um, and and the, you know what it comes down to. What if they just don't even believe in their goal? Like, what if I think the trickle down effect? I don't believe I could do this, and so now I don't believe in my goal. It gets that deep.
1: Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and well, the the way that I do it and Tom because we because we work together and you know we're married for seventeen years for us to be able to make sure that we're always moving in the um, same direction because when you've been with someone over time and you're changing and you're evolving, it's very easy to kind of split off and change in different ways. So what we do is every year, at least every year, we obviously do it in like chats, but every year we go, what is our goal? What are we aiming for? What are we working towards? So we, we lay that out. Okay. So Tom's audacious goal is for us to build um, a studio bigger than Disney. (laughs) Disney. Just to give you an idea about how extravagant my husband is and my business partner is on the vision. So, all right, let's just pretend that's possible. Just pretend. If we can build a studio bigger than Disney, we can I swear on this? I think I've already sweated. Oh, fuck yeah, you can. Okay. okay. <laughs> so what Tom and I go, okay, what's the no bullshit answer on how to build a company bigger than Disney? Now, look, it doesn't mean that you're willing to do it. If it's like, okay, you have to, you know, I use the example, you have to stab your mum in the eye or something like that. It's like, I don't want to build Disney that, that, you know, that bad <laughs> enough. But like, do the no bullshit, what would it actually take? Okay, to build something as, as big as Disney, Disney's taken what, 70, 80 years to build. Well, I don't have that timeline. I'm re- I just turned 40. So, okay, in order for us to expedite that, does it need a budget of $200 million in my back pockets so that I can hire the most and the best people and I can steal them from Disney and I can bring them into my ecosystem and then build it, right? That's an option. Okay, I don't have two hundred million dollars to just splash out like you know on that type of thing. So okay, well if I don't have that money, it's a great idea. I just can't use that strategy. So then we keep like breaking it down. Okay, so what can we do? What do you do? What are you willing to do? Um, and then then we proceed. So Tom and I is like we have the big goal. What would it actually take to get there? What is the reasonable? thing for us to do to get there. When I say reasonable, I still mean absolutely audacious. I just mean that it's absolutely feasible that we're willing to like, I'm not willing to stab my mom mom in the eye with a fork. So, So what am I willing to do? And then everything that we do after that moment is in accordance to that goal. So then you break down what are the skill sets that is going to be needed for this to happen? Okay, I've never run a studio. I mean, I've run a very small studio, even now we've got 25 people but I've never run a studio that's got thousands of people. So I know, okay, this over the next few years is something I have to train myself over. Tom has to train himself because I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm going to give myself the timeline in order to do it. So we really do assess like things like that. What is a skill set that I need to acquire that I'm going to spend the next few years getting? What are the things that I'm weak at? What are the things that I don't want to do that I just want to hire someone to do, right? Yeah. So it's like, I I know how to edit, but I'm not going to be the world's best editor. So I'm just going to hire someone. So kind of assessing your abilities, what you think is feasible, what you actually want to do in life. And anytime, going back to what I said earlier, you hit that roadblock where let's say it's usually a skill set, right? It's usually people um, fold in because they don't have um, a skill set or they don't know something. And that makes them feel badly about themselves. Then when they feel badly about themselves, they become demotivated. And when you're demotivated, you stop believing. So I go, okay, what do I need to learn? How do I do it on a slow timeline? And I know that I can get there one day. And that belief gets you there.
0: Mm. You know what you you just kept doing, right? You kept asking yourself better questions to get a better answer. And I preach this on blue in the face. Lisa, like, I truly believe that our quality of life is proportioned to the quality of questions we ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you just kept hitting it like, okay, if I were to do this, how would I? Okay, what do my skill sets need to be? So everybody listening realize that you need to ask better questions to build a bigger belief. Yes. Um, those questions will open up doors and opportunities and understanding plus clarity to then take action. I, I love that. Um, and, and you obviously have to ask a lot of questions to get yourself where you're at today and, and build not only Quest Nutrition but impact theory. I said it in the opening it's it's one of my go to, if not the go to, podcast and YouTube that I go to every single morning to watch a quick clip. Um, you know, I met Tom about six years ago, and I remember he was telling me right before I think it was Impact Three even started. Yeah, I was and going to he say. was been
1: been around for four years. So that yeah,
0: yeah. Be. So he told me, um, John, I'm going to stay around until every it was at a conference. Every person has their question answered. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, literally, I'm talking about hours later. He didn't take a piss. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he was holding it in that, but he sat there for every single person answering. I looked at that guy and I realized mastering his craft is so damn important. He's willing, something you said before, to sacrifice certain things mm-hmm. in order to gain the skill set to get to where he needs to go, um, and, and, and that's huge. And now you guys have built a great platform of impact theory, impacting so many people on so many different levels from health, relationship, financial, you name it, and now you have this amazing, amazing platform to empower women um, and take them to the next level. Tell us a little bit about the Women of Impact and and kind of, um, you know, where, yes, they can go find it, but really why you started it and stepped away from behind the camera, because that was always your dream, right, Mm -hmm. to be the producer to finally get in front of the camera, I think you wanted to challenge Tom to show you could do a better job. <laughs> but uh, what, what was your, your thought process of switching roles and getting comfortable, being uncomfortable and getting in front of that camera?
1: Yeah. So the funny thing is in everything that I just said leading up to this, about planning and having a goal and having a vision. And sometimes I always leave space for like the eh, try it, see what happens. Maybe <laughs> it works, maybe it doesn't. And really with women of impact, it started with just dinners. Like I was meeting all these great women that were coming in through impact theory and um, I was making friends with them. and I just, you know, their drive, when you're with someone who wants to play at a high level and is super motivated and doesn't let things stop them. I want to be around those people because it's infectious. And so we're having these women come on the show. um, We're having people come in and out of the business. Like we're, you know, we're contracting people. We're working with like Gary Vayner's team and his right hand person is a woman. And so like all these things, I'm like surrounding myself with these incredible women. And so I, I was like let's just have some dinner. I don't know what this is going to be. Let's just invite some people. Maybe we can help promote some female books that I've read. Because if we can help, you know, an author, why wouldn't we? And then I was like, and let's just see what this turns into. So it went from hey, let's just invite a few women over for dinner to then I was like, well, maybe I should do a podcast because when I'm talking to them, they're giving so much incredible information that I feel selfish that I'm keeping this all to myself. (laughs) And because I've got the access to it. So I was like, you know, I I recognize I've got the access to these people. And like, I have multiple studios in my house. So I was like, you know, maybe like, what if we just record it? Like we're doing Let's just do Skype call. I've got access. Plus I learned. And so if every day I'm having fun and growing as a person, it means I'm doing the right thing. Mm. So I'm like, this is like the best Trojan force ever. I can <laughs> tell the women, right. That like, Hey, like spread your wisdom. But really for me, I'm like, give me all of your wisdom. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> give me more. Yeah. So i like, you know, but let's just do it. light. let's not do anything extreme. We'll do a Skype. I'll get a podcast. mic. we've got one in, you know, our room. So let, let's just do that. But then me being me, it ended up, getting bigger and bigger so well if you're going to do that you might as well put a camera well if you've got one camera you might as well do six cameras if you've got six cameras you may as well get an editor and so so that's how in all honesty it became what it is um but it really was the goal of my own story I never thought was empowering it's just my story it's the it's the life that I have and that I've I don't know anything else. And so I never thought of it as empowering. I actually was embarrassed to say that I was, um, that I I spent eight years doing something in my life that I didn't enjoy. And I was like a little ashamed of it. And I was ashamed that I didn't follow my dream into filmmaking. And so all of these things that came with the decisions I made, made me just like be behind the scenes and hide and hide until I started talking to people. And they're like, oh my God, that's so powerful. So it really was external um, that validation, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Like I'm fully aware of that, but the um, external validation saying, wow, your story has affected me, allowed me to kind of dig in deeper and go further. But the truth is my passion is still behind the camera. I'm producing a graphic novel of of a female superhero. Uh, Um, So when I go to like, what is that mission to build Disney? Okay, Disney, you need to create IP. So I need to slowly create IP. My audience, I speak very openly to women. I think I also actually speak to men when they're in a relationship where it's like they've got a, they're driven and the females driven. So I now have built this platform that has allowed that will now allow me to talk about storytelling that now allows me to talk about and see what empowers women, you know, what stories do empower you, which, what does touch your heart. And so on the back end, I'm listening and I'm paying attention to everything people say, and I'm building this graphic novel on the back end with artists and writers and the writer on it used to work at Disney. Oh, um, come for a circle. So, so it, But again, I recognize I've been working on this project for over a year and I've just hired the writer now. So, It's a slow trickle, but the plan to be Disney is still in the works. Um, I'm just building now an an audience that allows me to hear what they're looking for in a graphic novel, in a female empowerment space of female superheroes. Um, So, yeah, it's really an evolution, and that is, like, the backstory of how Women of Impact came about. I love it. Thank you. And now I just... It's 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 a moment of selfishness for me. And that's really where I go when I started it. I didn't know how to be a host. I've never been in front of the camera before. And so when this opportunity came about, I was like, what type of host am I going to be? Right? Like everyone thinks, I think if you're in this like world, like who are you going to, like, who's your idol? Who do you kind of look up to? And I looked up to Tom, like he's so freaking good at it. And after the first couple of shoots, I'm like, you've got to stop trying to be Tom you need to be Lisa. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm gonna just be myself. I'm gonna, you know, mess up multiple times. I'm going to, you know, be silly cause I am silly. I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be, you know, grit. Like all of this stuff that's really true to me, that's who I'm going to be. And I said, and if the show works, then the show works. If the show doesn't work, then Lisa, you should never be in front of the camera and you can go right back to being behind the camera. And that was really why I was like, I'll, I'll just do me and see how it works and so with the pink hair and all of that it's game it's just like it's me I've had people say like your hair's distracting from the conversation and I was like cool then don't watch like yep. I've had to learn to be resilient like that in order to really live every single day with the enjoyment that I had and it doesn't mean that you're not doing shit every day that you hate because of course I think we all do but is it in service of that bigger goal and that bigger joy that you're working towards. And so the show for me absolutely is.
0: I love it. And, and you know, you mentioned two things in there and I think a lot of people struggle with this. It's the hardest, the hardest thing to do is to be you right. Being authentic is hard. And when I made my shift, I was trying to be everything to everyone, mm-hmm. right. I'm being, you know, the crazy guy for this person being the, you know, the slow down and this guy for that person. And I was just trying to be everything to everyone, trying to, spread myself thin and what happened was I became nothing to myself um and when I had that self reflection period what I realized was that like the people who love you they're gonna follow you they're gonna bring others just like them to into your tribe um and those who don't they're not going to um and and, and longevity wise I'm glad that you did stick to you know the the, the the pink hair and being you because there's a lot of people um and, and unfortunately a lot of people um it takes many years and sometimes it it ends their life when they're trying to be something to everyone and and they become nothing to himself. Robin Williams is a great example. Um, He was one of the funniest men alive, right? And he was sitting there trying to please everybody with his comedy and bring everybody up, but he never took time to find out who he truly was and how to decompress and be with himself. Um, And so until you are understanding how to be authentic. It's hard to be with yourself and have that self-reflection. So I'm, I'm grateful that you did that in teaching women and men to do that. Uh, you, you said that you and, and Tom are very driven people. Now, I had Emily Frisella on. Uh, you know, Emily and, and, and your vote are both very driven. They both have their own companies plus the company together. What would you say is like one big component on how you guys and if you guys kind of keep work and personal relationships separate, you and Tom?
1: It's definitely an evolution. So every day it's like one of us slipped up or, you know, so we're always evolving. But um, initially we tried to keep them completely separate. And when we were building Quest, it was a little easier. Now Impact Theory is out of my house. We have 10, you know, 20 employees that come here every single day and our offices are, you know, we've converted our television room into an office, our, you know, so... My mother-in-law's room that I'm in now, we converted into a studio. So we've literally converted our whole house. And so that, that line between um, relationship and being a husband and wife and being a business partner is very difficult. So we've come up with certain strategies. So for instance, Tom literally works from the second he opens his eyes to the second he goes to bed. He works Monday to Friday like that. Like he gets into bed with his headphones on, he takes them off, he kisses me goodnight, we say, oh, I love you, and we go to bed. So he works every hour. Every minute of the day. I support him. That's what he needs to really feel like he's fulfilling his life. So I support that. But because of, I've had a lot of health issues. So for the last four years, I've been suffering with um, extreme um, digestion issues, microbiome issues, leaky gut, all of that. So a big part of it is, is the stress. And it's Is the stress and um, is how much I work. So I go, okay, what is the life that I want? I really want to be driven. I want to build Disney, but I know that I've got to take care of myself. Otherwise I'm not going to be around in 50 years because I haven't taken good care of myself. So for me, I've shut down. I shut down an hour before I go to bed. Like that's my rule of engagement. I stop work an hour before I go to bed. And so Tom, he's just always on. So you, you know, when you like, you just think your partner's on the same wavelength as you. So he would come in in that one hour off and he would ask me work questions. And I was like, you, you got to stop asking work questions. But so then he wouldn't know, well, are you on or are you off? Cause sometimes you're off and sometimes you're on and how am I supposed to know? So, you know, have you ever been to a Brazilian restaurant where it's like that little thing that's like meat more meat or no meat.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I was
1: like, we kind of need something like that. That basically says like, I'm working. I'm not working. And so I now have a lamp in my bedroom and I was like, babe, okay. Every time I stop work, I'm going to switch this lamp on. So when you come into the bedroom, you see, am I on? Am I off? And you know, if it's work related, do not ask me. That's awesome. So that's like, that's one tiny little like strategy. Another thing is what we do is when we approach, it's like, I'm coming to you as your business partner. And we almost established, like, especially if it's a problem, because it's, I think, easier for him to separate the two. But for me, I think maybe being a woman, like, you become more, you're more emotionally attached to things. At least I am. So um, I think that I would get emotional and he would be talking to me like my business partner. And I'm like, no, 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 I just want my husband right now. And he's like, oh, well, that's a whole different other approach. <laughs> you know, because the business side is, I need him to be honest about the business decisions we're making, even if he thinks it's going to hurt my feelings. But Mm -hmm. as the husband, I want him to be supportive over my emotions and my feelings. So when it comes to situations like that, we really do sit down and it's like, are you coming to me as the husband or as the business partner? And we just establish it so that we can then change the language that we use with each other.
0: I love that little strategy. Yeah. Just that, that quick little, you know, I'm coming to you as your business partner. I think A lot of people who have husband and wife and and, you know wife and wife husband husband duo um that distinction is very hard but i believe in triggers you know i i've had triggers that drove me to do drugs and and cause violence and all these things and i utilize those in a negative way Um, but i've been able to understand how powerful and empowering triggers can be yeah. where, you know, you take, you know, what I do is like when I'm shampooing my hair, I say my gratitude every morning because I know gratitude is a very important habit for me to have. And I know I shampoo my hair every day. Right. And then next I do my conditioner and then I say my incantations, right? So for you guys to have those little triggers within relationships, um, I would assume that you guys probably are able to have that conversation, um, without the long lasting fight or feeling like, where's he coming from? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's another thing that we have, like rules of engagement, rules of engagement with our business and rules of engagement in our personal. And it just helps guide us like, okay, we said, and I always thought like emotionally sober moments, quote unquote, because we like to have these discussions where neither of us are emotionally in turmoil, right? You have to be completely sober with your emotions to make these decisions. So we sit down in those emotionally sober moments. And we say, cool, if this happens, what do we do? If X, Y, and Z happens, what do we do? What is your actual role in our, business relationship what's your role in our marriage because they're very different like i look to tom in our marriage as being like absolutely the protector like if something comes my way i want you to jump in front of it and like put your life on the line to to save me right to have my back in business it doesn't work like that in business i have to stand up to my own belief system with the team and so there's this um So the way we interact with each other, we've defined before things actually happen. So what happens when you come to a head, let's say, um, so we bought the house that I'm in right now. Um, What happens if we're colliding with a decision based on the house? Who has final decision? Because ultimately, 50-50 just doesn't work. You need someone to sign off on something. Otherwise, like you've got those moments, right, where you are so... Um, in belief of what you think and you're trying to convince the other one and they're just not budging because, you, because they feel exactly the same way. They think that they're so much in their yeah. belief is right and they're not budging. What happens then? Like going back to what serves us, what our goal is, if our goal is to have this joyous family, um, home and happiness, well, if we're budding heads, that doesn't serve our goal. Someone has to make a decision for us to then move on. Same with our business. Let's say there's a certain strategy that he believes in and I don't. And we both are very respectful. We hear each other out and we hear what the other person has to say. But neither of us are budging. What happens? Okay, well, your business cannot go to a standstill. That doesn't serve your goal. Mm -hmm. So in those moments, in our sober moments, we said, who makes final decision? Let's just decide this now. And so we both agreed that it would actually be him because I actually believe his business acumen is better than mine. I don't feel badly about it. I'm just using, you know, it's the reality. So, hey, use the people around you that are better than you are. So even if I feel like I know better, ultimately he's got more credibility in that arena. So as a team, we agreed if we are ever butting heads where we cannot move, you make final decision and I will back off. And I think From memory, he's done that once in three and a half years of impact theory, Um, because most of the time we are so in tune with how the other, like our rules of engagement that we end up not getting there, but it's happened once and it happened about two months ago. And when he says, okay, I hear you, but um, let's just make a decision. This is what it's gonna be now let's move on. And I was like, oh, I don't agree. (laughs) And in that moment, as like that sting, I was like, Lisa, you told yourself like you can't push back because you know even though it doesn't feel right right now you know that you had decided in your emotionally sober moments that that was the right thing for the company and so in that moment i like i was like so shocked and like i can't remember what i said i was like really and he looked at me and then afterwards i was like i'm so sorry that i even said really because like i recognized that i was then doubting the decision we made before so i was like you know what I was like, I'm totally fine. You did the right thing. And I was so impressed with him, actually, that he then did that. Because as your wife, no, you know, like he knows that as the wife, that's going to stink. So, yeah. but he has to make the decision that's right for the company not what's right for his wife and he did that and so I was so proud of us in that moment that all these years we've been putting these strategies and things into place that we actually implemented it and we actually executed on it and it actually worked
0: (laughs) the results are what you wanted but the most important part guys listen she said she did it in an emotional sober state stop trying to figure things out when you guys are in a battle of miscommunication it never never works. So Lisa, I want to go ahead and uh, do rapid round real quick with you. I'm going to give you three words. Okay. The first thing that comes to your mind, it could be a picture, it could be a phrase, it could be a word. I want you to go ahead and blurt it out. You ready?
1: I love games by the way. So this is super fun. awesome. Right, let's do it. Right. Failure. Success. Interesting. Hmm.
0: Huh. Perspective.
1: <laughs> Everything. Hustle. Vital. Ooh. That was cool. Those I didn't actually expect any of those answers.
0: Isn't it brilliant how your that mind is goes something? Yeah. Last one, because I'm curious about this. I wasn't gonna do it, but success.
1: Oh God, not guaranteed. That's not really oh. one word, but yeah.
0: no, it's it's fine. That's amazing. I love that. I love hearing the, the you know when you when you say a word and where your mind goes, um, and how amazing is if you just let it happen. Your true, your true yeah. emotion behind it comes out. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Thank so you. this you,
1: you just told me something about myself. So I appreciate See it. that? I will just go ahead
0: and make sure that I take clip and I'll send it to you and you can play that in the morning too when you wake up. Cool. After
1: oh, so your intro thing though. <laughs>
0: yes. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so right now, if everybody has been taking notes, this is at a point in time where they take a pen and paper and bring it out and start taking some damn notes. Because I want you, Lisa, to give them three three actionable tools or strategies that they could implement as soon as they're done with this episode to be better today than they were yesterday and start creating the ultimate version of them. So I'm going to get my pen and paper, three strategies. It could be business. It could be relationship. It could be health, any equity. What are three things that you want to give for them that are actionable that they could do?
1: Okay. I'm actually going to choose one from each category. I quite like that. All right. So with health, um, God, it sounds freaking cheesy. And I used to be the person that like, I never thought I would be the person to say this, but listen to your body. Like I never thought that was, and it's not really a tactic. Maybe it is. Okay. So this is what I do. I'm going to get even more refined. Sit down right now and say, what is my body thinking? Like in the sense of scan. So, okay. Do I feel tension in my head? Oh, my throat's a little sore. Maybe I'm talking too much. God, my tummy is tight. Why am I eating? My stomach hurts, right? Like really just scan your body. And let it talk to you. And again, guys, I am the person that four years ago before my whole health issues, you would never have heard that come out of my mouth. I was a person that was like, ignore all the aches, ignore all the pains. It just means that you're weak. Like I was that person. Um, but because I ignored all the pains, because I ignored everything and I always said to me, to myself, Lisa, you're not weak. I end up having you know four years of health and digestive issues, so that's the biggest tip I can give you on health. Just like do a scan of your body and like actually listen to it. A tip for your business is like I said it earlier, like writing down what is that goal and going backwards. So, what is the goal that you're actually looking uh, to achieve? Oh, and I think you frozen. Uh, Are You still there? Are you still there? There you go. Woo! Okay, I was like, where'd she go? What was the last you heard?
0: Um, So the one, we talked about scanning your body. um, So we got that first one done.
1: Perfect. All right. So then I'll go to business. Um, I said it earlier, really, it's about your goal. So start with, what is that top line goal? Like in five or 10 years, or on a deathbed, which I do this a lot, I am rather morbid and I think, if I died, what would I regret? So it's, you know, you always hear people on their deathbed, not once do people say, I shouldn't have done this, or in fact, not. That's a, I can't make a bold statement like that, not once, but the majority of people, when they're on the deathbed, then they never say, I shouldn't have done this, they say, I should have done this. So it's, what should you do? Act now, so you don't have regrets. So what is that goal? Like, what is that really thing? Like, I'd be super freaking bummed if I never tried, tried to work towards it. Then break it down without putting your emotions or your self-esteem on the line, right? Like, just be honest with yourself. What are the things that you need to do that are getting in your way of achieving that goal? Is it... Like, oh, I've, you know, I've got five kids and every waking moment is paid attention to them. Okay, well, how do you then squeeze the one hour out of your day for just you, right? You can't address how to change unless you figure out what what is needed in the first place. Yes. So that's that. And then relationships. Um, the first tactic is... Oh God, Tom and I do this and I ask, I I love asking questions and I actually have a book of relationship questions that Tom and I wrote out that I'm starting to slowly trickle out on my Instagram. So um, these are actually questions that we ask each other. And so like one of the questions is, what did you always want in a wife that I don't have? And so that's just one, Going back to the tactic, ask the hard questions because it hurts to hear the answer, but then at least A, the other person has said it. And then you can say, does this work for both of us? So for instance, what is the thing that I always wanted in a husband that Tom doesn't have? Um, the want to be, ho- oh God, that's actually not true. So going to say, the want to be home for dinner. But that's actually not true because Now that I'm married, and this is kind of all derailing, but now that I'm married and I know him, if he wanted to be home for dinner, it means he's not satisfied in his business. So that actually isn't really a good example, (laughs) Um, but being able to assess, so, okay, this is a great example. I was a housewife for eight years and my husband got used to being taken care of. He got used to his food being made for him, his clothes being laid out for him, a woman I was extremely nurturing. When he came home, I was there for him. When he needed to talk, I was like, I was there. Anything he he needed. Well, once Quest happened and I started to find passion and desire in entrepreneurship, I realized I couldn't do both. And so we had to sit down and I said, I don't think I value what I'm doing right now, and I really want to continue in business. Like I love what I'm doing so much, and I don't value this other thing that I've been doing for eight years in taking care of you. That's not a knock on you, but I don't value it. And so it doesn't feel true to who I am. And having that conversation, and he was like no, I, I freak love it. You make up my bed, you know, make a bed and put out my clothes and do all the ironing and make my food. He's like, I love it. The only thing that I love more is seeing you happy. And so we came to the conclusion as a team that I was going to stop being the traditional wife that I was going to go in and really explore who I was, even though I knew he didn't like selfishly, if you can like be selfish for a minute, selfishly, he didn't want that. Right? selfishly, he wanted to keep getting taken care of, but we had the discussion about it. And because we had this discussion, he's never once ever in our whole, since 2010, since we started Quest up until today, he's never once said, I can't believe you don't make me dinner. Why? Because we agreed before we made the change. So I guess going back, that was a really long tactic, but the tactic being ask the hard questions so you can actually get together and be on the same page. And it's hard. You have to let your ego, leave your ego out the door. You know, you've got to be open because you want the person to be honest with you.
0: I love that. And, uh, you know, what you said was, uh, you know, agree before you make a decision. Um, but the, the whole asking question things, I, I do agree with. I have a book called, uh, I'm looking at now, One Question a Day for You and Me. Um, and my wife and I do it every single day. And some of this shit, I'm like looking in there, I'm like, she thinks that? But it's, I, I believe that the number one habit of a successful person, a fulfilled person, is, is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need our significant other to s- give us her perspective to really be self-aware of what we're doing or how we're acting. So I agree with all three of those. Thank you so much for dropping that on them. And I think you need to do a PDF version of all the questions you and Tom ask each other. Yeah. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I think it would be hey, actually- great.
1: We actually had one um, out last year for Valentine's Day, but we try not to keep it up. But literally recently, I was like, I wonder if other people will find this interesting. So I'm actually just p- posting the questions to see if people like it and answer and things like that. But I love things like that.
0: Yes. Well, I'll tell you what I find it interesting. So I got to creep more on your social media so I can get those <laughs> questions. Speaking of social media, where can everybody creep on you? Where can they stalk you? Where can they find you?
1: Yes, come on over, guys. So my personal is at Lisa Billu. That's B I L Y E U, and um, women at Women of Impact is the social handle as well on YouTube. Also, and then we've got Impact Theory on Insta- uh, Instagram. We've got Tom Billu. So there's a lot of different channels. But if you're only going to go to one, go to at Lisa Billu on Instagram.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Do you want to leave them with one more piece of knowledge, one more nugget of wisdom, any last parting words?
1: Um, The thing I'm going to say is actually you came up to me in Vegas. You mentioned it earlier about where we first met and you were just so freaking sweet, um, authentic, real, honest, open, and you left a real impression on me. And so if anyone Um, is looking to make impressions of people like you just you oozed authenticity and people can you know spot that and they can spot the fake thing as well so I want to say thank you for you to be for you and just sharing your story with me and doing this podcast and helping others like I'm I'm extremely honored to be here and to be interviewed by you and I've had so much fun so yeah I guess the tip is guys go be authentic even if people don't like you it is what it is that you're going to find a team or a
0: crowd that will so I love that thank you so much those are amazing words um, and I think the reason why i was be able to be authentic is because I know what the fake John Marone looks like yeah. um, and and I try to live my day in authenticity every single time I wake up I appreciate you guys real quick please do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast if you have not done so if you're watching this on YouTube hit the little bell go ahead and subscribe there and last but not least share this thing out to somebody that can get value out of something that Lisa said Um, And and drop into her DMs or write on the reviews, say one aha, one thing that may have shifted your thinking, may have given you the, the motivation to take the next step and whatever it might be that you're holding back on. But please, please, the most important thing is take the information and create some kind of implementation. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Lisa, once again, thank you very much. Go follow her. Go stalk her. And until next week, I'll see you guys soon and keep creating the ultimate version of you.